This is Come Follow Me with David Ridges, brought to you by Cedar Fort Publishing and Media, for the week of June 29th through July 5th, covering Alma chapters 23 through 29. Our special guest teacher today is Valiant Jones. Hello, my name is Valiant Jones, and I am the author of The Covenant Path, Finding the Temple in the Book of Mormon. And I am pleased to be guest host for this week of Come Follow Me, which covers Alma chapters 23 to 29. When I was asked to do this section, which uh, tells us the story of the anti-Nephi-Lehi people, I was so excited. I remember uh, growing up in central Indiana, where my family had moved to from Utah in the early 60s. And um, by the early 70s, I was in high school and uh, we had home study seminary. And once a week, we would go drive an hour to the stake center in Indianapolis for a Super Saturday Um, where I believe one of the uh, institute directors of one of the universities in Indiana led a a discussion for all of the youth in home study seminary in our stake. And uh, I remember the opening uh, session that year where the the instructor, the CES uh, instructor, tried to pump us up for the stories of the Book of Mormon. And I only remember one of the stories he told. I'm sure he talked about uh, Nephi and certainly he talked about the coming of Christ. But the one story that just uh, I found amazing was when he told us about uh, the people uh, who, the Lamanites who had converted um, from their wicked ways to the ways of the Lord and how they had thrown down their weapons, buried their weapons, and when other Lamanites came to battle against them, they would prostrate prostrate themselves to the ground and uh, just accept death. I was blown away. I had never heard of this story in the Book of Mormon before in my life. Now, mind you, this was uh, long before uh, home-centered, church-supported gospel study, and uh, even before President Benson emphasized that we needed to study the Book of Mormon more, I did not ever remember hearing this story, and I was just amazed and couldn't wait to get into the Book of Mormon and to learn more about that story as well as others. So let's uh, let's begin with chapter twenty-three of Alma. Um, this uh, this comes on the heels of the conversion of Lamoni's father who was the head king over all the Lamanites. And at the onset of chapter 23, we read that this king had sent out a proclamation uh, that none of his people should hinder the sons of Messiah from preaching in the Lamanite lands. This new civil policy, along with the example of the king, who uh, was converted to the Lord, this opened the hearts of the Lamanites to the gospel. Um, The result is uh, in uh, Alma 
chapter 23, verses 5 through 7. And thousands were brought to the knowledge of the Lord, yea, thousands were brought to believe in the traditions of the Nephites, and they were taught the records and prophecies which were handed down even to the present time. And as sure as the Lord lived, liveth, so sure as many as believed or as were brought to the knowledge of the truth through the preaching of Alma and his brethren, according to the spirit of revelation and prophecy. And all were converted to the Lord and never did fall away. I skipped a, a few lines there, but um, that's kind of a summary of where we're going as to the impact that happened with, uh, with the teaching once the king and his family accepted the gospel. Um, and, and they became, an, it says, an industrious people uh, like the Nephites were. They had an open communi- uh, correspondence with the uh, Nephites. I'm sure trade flourished. And we know in modern economic times when, uh, when trade uh, improves, um, the whole economic situation of people improves. Um, they were blessed in so many ways. But this example of, of Ammon seeking out the leader first and converting him, and that leading to a conversion of his people, was something I remember being taught as a missionary, um, that if you can find someone who is a community leader or a family leader in their uh, larger extended family, um, that that convert will not only um, come themselves into the church, but they will be responsible for bringing many others to the gospel as well. It was a, uh, a great missionary principle that uh, I think many missionaries have, have sought to emulate. In Alma 24, we learned that the um, the people who had apostatized from the Nephites, the Amalekites and Amulonites, stirred up the remainder of the Lamanites against those people who were called the Anti-Nephi-Lehi's. That's the name they took upon themselves. And, and um, by the way, I like to think of that as the non Nephite children of Lehi. That's basically what what it is meant by anti-Nephi-Lehi's. It's, it's the non-Nephite Lehites or the non-Nephite children of Lehi. Well, these uh, other apostates from the Nephites and from the gospel, they, um, they stirred up other Lamanites um, and uh, got them to rebel against the king who had said that uh, you should let these uh, missionaries teach, and they went to battle against the people of God. Um, it says that there was not one soul among the people who were converted who would take up arms. They would not fight against the Lamanites coming against them because they had known that they had been murderers. They had not kept that commandment, and they felt that the only hope they had for their salvation was to um, 
be totally humble and to accept death at the hands of others if necessary, to not even take up arms in self-defense. They said um, in uh, verses 12 and 13, let us not stain our sin, our, our swords, let us not stain our swords. Um, and uh, they said, if we should stain our swords again, they can no more be washed bright through the blood of the Son of our great God, which shall be shed for the atonement of our sins. They understood the atonement. They understood the source of forgiveness of their sins. And their sins, they felt, were so severe that they had to take extreme measures um, not to fall back into sin and to be forgiven. And so they covenanted. Um, in verse 18, it says, And this they did, it being their view, in their view, a testimony to God and also to man that they never would use weapons again for the shedding of man's blood. And this they did, vowing and covenanting with God that rather than shed the blood of their brethren, they would give up their own lives. And rather than take away from a brother, they would give unto him. This they they buried their swords, and and that was um, that was a a ritual similar to an ordinance where they they actually uh, took a, uh, did a, a an act a ritualistic act of burying their swords um, as a way of showing their covenant to God that um, that they would not take up arms again. Um, Brothers Ed J. Pinneger and Richard J. Allen in the book Teachings and Commentaries on the Book of Mormon said, As missionaries and future parents of Zion, we must remember that we don't change any faster than we make and keep co commitments. The Lord calls them covenants. Our exaltation is determined by how well we have kept our baptismal our priesthood, and our temple covenants. And when we keep those covenants, the promises and blessings are ours. I have learned that when covenants are deepened because of our commitment, because our commitment is strong, our lives are different. If, you're, if in your lives you find yourselves vacillating, look deep into the, your soul's and check your level of commitment to your covenants. And when your level of commitment to your covenants has deepened to where you feel that it is life eternal to keep them, you will be a missionary for life. You will help many souls come unto Christ. Um, this, uh, this kind of commitment is the kind of commitment that... Uh, was shown by these anti-Nephi-Lehi's um, when they uh, ritualistically buried their swords and then showed their um, their true colors um, so that when the Lamanites attacked them, they would prostrate themselves to the earth and just pray to God. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine 
just lying there and let somebody slaughter you with their sword. Can you imagine watching your wife and children beside you do that? I imagine that it was the man that went forward and that the ladies and, and children probably stayed behind because the men did not uh, want them to be the ones at the forefront. But they kept that covenant nonetheless. A thousand and five were slain and um, and they said, we know that they have gone to dwell with God. But this had an additional great impact. Those Lamanites that were attacking, they were so moved um, by their fellow humble Lamanites that many of them also laid down their weapons and they joined the dead. Um, a willingness to die for the gospel continues in our day. In an Ensign article in February 1995, Brother John Dixon said the following, In 1979, I was serving as president of the Mexico City North Mission. A community meeting was called at which church members were given the following options. Denounce the church, leave the village, or be killed. And that was not an idle threat. The members, particularly the women, said they knew the church to be true and would not denounce it. They also indicated that they worked just as hard as the rest of the community to secure their homesteads, and they would not leave. Boldly stepping forward, they told their taunters if they were going to kill them to get on with it. The moment drew tense as machetes were raised, then finally lowered, while the Latter-day Saints stood up for that which the Spirit had testified to them to be true. These saints eventually learned, as most of us do, that it is harder to live the gospel day by day than to die for it in an instant, but their early commitment came because the Spirit had touched their hearts and changed their lives. This was in 1979. Uh, for many of you, um, you can remember that year, um, not so long away. So these stories of being willing to give um, our lives for the gospel uh, continue. And um, uh, we, um, we need to be ready for that, but even more so, we need to be ready to live for the gospel, which is often harder. Now we move into uh, Alma chapter 25, where we learn that the Lamanites, um, those that were still wicked Lamanites, they went back to their homes and they thought about what they had done. And they got really angry with themselves that they had killed fellow Lamanites. Um, so they swore vengeance on the Nephites, of course. So they say, okay, who's the real villain here? And who did they take it out on? It was the people of Ammonihah. Now you remember that um, Alma and Amulek had preached to the people of Ammonihah and had been completely rejected. And uh, they prophesied that uh, their city would fall. Well, um it did fall, and uh, the Lamanites, who were so angry, they they are they came and destroyed that uh, 
that city in fulfillment of prophecy. Another group that was destroyed in fulfillment of prophecy was the uh, Amulonites, the descendants of the wicked priests of King Noah who had escaped and married uh, Lamanite wives. Um, and we learn about them and their demise in this chapter as well. Um, many were killed by Nephites in the battle of the city of Ammonihah. And I just think that God um, strengthened those Nephites to the point of being able to kill off some of these people, the uh, the Amulonites. But in the end, those uh, wicked um, people of Ammonihah themselves were were killed. The entire city. Others, um, others of the Amulonites usurped more power from the Lamanites and burned. To death many Lamanites because of their beliefs, and this caused more Lamanites to be converted to the Lord. Nevertheless, the rulers who were Amulonites um, had even more Lamanites killed, causing the Lam that uh, the Lamanites began to hunt the seed of Amulon and his brethren. And this hunt continued and fulfilled the prophecy of Obinadi to the wicked priests of King Noah. And it is com commented um, by uh, Alma that, uh, that the hunting of the seed of these wicked priests continued even unto that day. Um, when... Uh, when the Lamanites saw that they could not overpower the Nephites, however, um, they humbled themselves. They buried their swords like others of the Lamanites had done and joined the people of anti-Nephi-Lehi. And um, we, we then um, read in chapter 25, uh, verses 15 and 16, Yea, and they did keep the law of Moses, for it was expedient that they should keep the law of Moses as yet, for it was not all fulfilled. But notwithstanding the law of Moses, they did look forward to the coming of Christ, considering that the law of Moses was a type of his coming, and believing that they must keep those outward performances until the time that he should be revealed unto them. Now, they did not suppose that salvation came by the law of Moses, but that the law of Moses did serve to strengthen their faith in Christ. What a perfect understanding of the purpose of the law of Moses. And this is the understanding that the, um, the converted Lamanites um, took upon themselves, and uh, they were converted to the Lord. Now, we move into chapter 26, where um, Ammon um, glories in the Lord. He makes um, uh, comments on what a blessing it has been to be a missionary. And um, many returned missionaries today uh, feel the same as him. He said, and this is the blessing which has been bestowed upon us, that we have been made instruments in the hands of God to bring about this great work. 
And um, he also said, Therefore, let us glory. Yea, we will glory in the Lord. Yea, we will rejoice, for our joy is full. Yea, we will praise our God forever. Behold, who can glory too much in the Lord? Yea, who can say too much of his great power and of his mercy and of his long suffering towards the children of men? Behold, I say unto you, I cannot say the smallest part which I feel. That is the way so many of us feel when we bear our testimonies in testimony meetings or perhaps in uh, a uh, missionary return uh, talk when we say sometimes we cannot express the smallest part of what we feel in gratitude for being able to to um, to be an instrument in the Lord's hand to bring many souls unto him. At the end of uh, chapter 26, Ammon gives a, uh, a formula for missionary success. In verse 22, he says, Yea, he that repenteth and exerciseth faith and bringeth forth good works and prayeth continually without ceasing, unto such it is given to know the mysteries of God. Yea, unto such it shall be given to reveal things which never have been revealed. Yea, and it shall be given unto such to bring thousands of souls unto repentance, even as it has been given unto us to bring these our brethren to repentance. So that is the uh, formula for a missionary. Every missionary knows before he can go on his mission, he needs to be clean and repent. He brings forth good works through his missionary service. He prays continually without ceasing. How many prayers do we say as missionaries over and over again every day? And um, then the mysteries of God become open to us. These mysteries being, in this case, how to bring souls um, with with this heart uh, open. We can bring thousands of souls. We may not bring the thousands that uh, Ammon brought, but over the years, even one soul that we bring to the Lord can multiply into hundreds and even thousands in future generations. Um, after uh, describing that uh, formula, Ammon rehearses with his brethren what they what they went through. He uh, reminds them how people had ridiculed them before they left on their mission and said they would not succeed. He tells how um, in the early parts of their mission, they got depressed, um, but they kept on trying. And um, then the results were um, now in verse 31. Now behold, we can look forth and see the fruits of our labors. And are they few? I say unto you, nay, they are many. Yea, we have, we can witness of their sincerity because of their love towards their brethren and also towards us. Um, it says also because of their love and their hatred 
for sin. That's what they saw in their converts. And how many missionaries have seen their converts just filled with love and and uh, turning from sin. And um, so then he said um, that uh, he's not boasting in himself, but he's boasting in the Lord. And he says, this is my life and my light, my joy and my salvation and my redemption from everlasting woe. Yea, blessed is the name of God who has been mindful of this people. Um, he loved praising God. His boasting was not of himself, but it was of God and all that he had done for him. Um, for the Lamanite people in converting them. Um, Elder F. Burton Howard, in um, a book, Heroes from the Book of Mormon, says this regarding um, this story. He says, I was reading again the 23rd chapter of Alma and the story of Ammon's mission. I read out loud, as sometimes I do, trying to put myself in the position of the characters in the book, imagining that I was saying or hearing the words that, and that I was there with a, with a clarity which cannot be described and which would be difficult to comprehend by one who has not experienced it. The Spirit spoke to my soul, saying, Did you notice? Everything that happened to Ammon happened to you. It was a thought that had never occurred to me before. I quickly reread the story. Yes, there were times when my heart had been depressed and I had thought about going home. I too had gone to a foreign land to teach the gospel to the Lamanites. I had gone forth among them, had suffered hardships, had slept on the floor, endured the, the cold, gone without eating. I, too, had traveled from house to house, knocking on doors for months at a time without being invited in, relying on the mercies of God. There had been times when we had entered houses and talked to people. We had entered them, we had taught them on their streets and in their on their hills. We had even preached in their churches. I remembered the time I had been spit upon. I remembered the time when I, as a young district leader, assigned by the mission president to open up a new town, had entered with three other elders the main square of the city that had never had missionaries before. We went into the park, sang a hymn, and a crowd gathered. Then the lot fell upon me as district leader to preach. I stood upon a stone bench and spoke to the people. I told the story of the restoration of the gospel, of the boy Joseph going to the grove, and the appearance of the father and the son to him. I remembered well a group of teenage boys in the evening shadows throwing rocks at us, I remembered the concern about being hit or injured by those who did not want to hear the message. I remembered spending time in jail while my legal right to be a missionary in a certain country was decided by the police authorities. I still remember the feeling I had when the door was 
closed, and I was far away from home, alone, and only the mercies of the Lord to rely on for the deliverance. I remembered enduring these things with the hope that, quote, we might be the means of saving some soul, unquote. And then on that day as I read, the Spirit testified to me again, and the words remain with me even today. No one but a missionary could have written this story. Joseph Smith could never have known what it was like to be a missionary to the Lamanites, for no one he knew had ever done such a thing before. Elder Howard, however, knew that this experience of Ammon and his brethren was, was true because his mission among the Lamanites of South America in uh, centuries later mimicked what had happened to Ammon and his brethren. And uh, he had that witness. Now, as we move into Alma chapter 7, we read that the uh, Amalekites, um, uh, again apostates, began to destroy the anti-Nephi-Lehi's. And um, Ammon, concerned about their safety and not wanting more of them to be slain by uh, just throwing themselves in uh, before the mercy of the Lamanites, um, he feared um, that uh, they, they've just got to get out of there. So he said, he suggested they, they go to Zarahemla. But... Um, the king of the Nephites feared that the Nephites, the king of the Lamanites feared that the Nephites would not accept them. But um, he did agree to go if, if Ammon received word from God that they should go. And he said they would be even willing to be slaves to the Nephites until they had repaired all of their um, sins against the Nephites. Um, but Ammon said it was against the law uh, of the Nephite country given by his father that they should have any slaves. And he went to the Lord, and the Lord said to take the people to Zarahemla. And um, he, they did so and were welcomed by the Nephites and were given the land of Jershon to live in. And they... Uh, they gave up that cumbersome name of anti-Nephi-Lehi and took upon them the easier name of the people of, of Ammon. And they were such good people. We read in um, chapter 27, verses uh, 27 and 28, And they were among the people of Nephi, and also numbered among the people who were of the church of God. And they were also distinguished for their zeal towards God and also towards men. For they were perfectly honest and upright in all things. And they were firm in the faith of Christ even to the end. And they never did look upon death with any degree of terror. For their hope and views of Christ and the resurrection. Therefore, death was swallowed up to them by the victory of Christ over it. What what faith they had! Just tremendous faith. Um, it's just phenomenal. Um, Elder um, 
Richard C. Edgeley in uh, the October 2006 General Conference uh, talked about this kind of honesty that, that these people had. And he told this story. He said, some 30 years ago, while working in the corporate world, some business associates and I were passing through O'Hare Airport in Chicago, Illinois. One of these men had just sold his company for tens of millions of dollars. In other words, he was not poor. As we were passing a newspaper vending machine, this individual put a quarter in the machine, opened the door to us to the stack of papers inside the machine, and began dispersing unpaid-for newspapers to each of us. When he handed me a newspaper, I put a quarter in the machine and, trying not to offend, but to make a point, jokingly said, Jim, for 25 cents I can maintain my integrity. A dollar? Questionable. But 25 cents? No, not for 25 cents. A few minutes later, we passed the same newspaper vending machine. I noticed that Jim had broken away from our group and was stuffing quarters in the vending machine. He, Elder Edgley goes on, My prayer is that as Latter-day Saints, we will be known as among the most honest people of the world. And it might be said of us, as it was said of the people of Anti-Nephi-Lehi, that we are perfectly honest and upright in all things, and firm in the faith of Christ even to the end. What a great example these uh, people of Ammon were, not only to the Nephites in their day, but to us. Now, um, in uh, chapter 28, we uh, learn of a great battle between the Nephites and the Lamanites, when many tens of thousands of people were were killed. Um, and um, I think what the Lord was doing here is there were so many more Lamanites killed than Nephites. The Lord was purging the Lamanites of those who would not convert to the gospel. And he was actually, as, as will be seen in, in future, he was preparing for the coming of Christ when um, only righteous people would, would survive um, after the death of Christ. And um, he needed Lamanites to be among those that would survive so that earlier prophecies would be fulfilled and that Lamanites would continue on the land in our day. Well, we, we arrive at uh, beautiful chapter 29, um, where Ammon um, cries out, um, Oh, actually, this is Alma, not Ammon. This is Alma who, who cries out after after uh, writing all this, Oh, that I were an angel and could have the wish of my heart that I might go forth and speak with the trump of God with a voice to shake the earth and cry repentance unto every people. Yea, I would declare unto every soul as with the voice of thunder, repentance 
and the plan of redemption, that they should repent and come unto our God, that there might not be more sorrow upon the face of the earth. But behold, I am a man, and do sin in my wish, for I ought to be content in the things which the Lord hath allotted unto me. And there's a great song written from these verses, Oh, that I were an angel. And I, I love hearing that song and um, uh, think of these uh, anti-Nephi-Lehites and their conversion to the Lord and think of uh, Alma's statement here that he wishes he could be an angel and just go forward with a trump and call all people to repentance. But you'll notice here that he says, I should be content with the things the Lord hath allotted to me. He says, I ought not to harrow up in my desires the firm decree of a just God. Uh, to to harrow, to, when you, when somebody harrows the ground, they are tilling the ground under. Um, so I should, I, ought not to uh, to till under in my desires the firm decree of a just God. I ought not to um, to push uh, under the ground the firm degree of a of a just God. For I know that He granteth unto men according to their desires. Um, we all have things we wish were different in our lives. Um, Nephi's wish is that it, that it was a glorious wish the, for something greater. Most of us have wishes that um, something that was bad in our lives had not been there. Maybe it's not something that we did ourselves, but something perhaps that was even done to us or an experience that we had to go through. And we just wish our lives had been different. For some of us, it, it is regret for sin. And we, we, um, harrow up. Um, we ought not, however, to, to try to till under, uh, the decrees of God. Um, we should, um, we should be content in the life we have been given. I, I remember some things in my own life that I wish had been different. And, um, when, when those moments come upon me, I think I am fulfilling the mission in life to which I was called and to which I was sent. And this mission includes heartache sorrow, and sin. And uh, those are given us for learning, for for us to learn from. And so we need to, to accept them. Finally, as uh, we close this section, I want to, um, to make note here that uh, these chapters show how much a person can change, how much people can change. This bloodthirsty people, these former Lamanites, who had a lifelong prejudice against the Nephites, were able to set it aside and be filled with love 
for those whom they had previously seen as their enemies. And so this gives me hope because I know that I carry prejudices. Um, many not intentional, but um, because of the time period and culture I grew up in, I know that I carry prejudices and I need to recognize these and bury them deep in the ground. Um, I pray that we can all learn from the people who called um, themselves the anti-Nephi-Lehi's or the people of Ammon, that we can bury whatever we need to bury in the ground, that we can be new people converted to the Lord, and that we can um, reconcile ourselves to uh, the challenges of life that we have faced and be content in moving forward with missionary zeal and gratitude for um, the Lord's blessings. And um, I leave my testimony that these are the words of God in this wonderful Book of Mormon, and I am so grateful for it. This is Valiant Jones, and I'm grateful to um, be able to share these words with you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for joining us. For more Come Follow Me teaching materials, visit cedarfort.com. Use code CFPODCAST to save 15% off your entire order. That's C as in Cedar and F as in Fort, podcast, for 15% off your entire order.